1: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
2: Son
1: of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the-
2: Welcome to seventy seven minutes, the only Mavericks podcast that did not start drinking in the second half of game four. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I was at the game. By the time I got home, you know, it was it was working, writing and, and then and then it was straight to bed. So so no I mean I don't wanna speak for the co co hosts, co co colleagues, whatever you whatever we define you guys as, but I'm just a guy that shows up every now and then. <sighs> Yeah. I'm a I co-host. That's, I that's want to. title. I want to feel official and powerful. <laughs> well, Mike Pelucci, how are you?
1: I'm all right, man. No, no drinking last night. It was, a, it was a long day of assorted NBA action. Um so you know, I'm a little tired. I'm a little, little banged up, which is probably how Luka Doncic feels right now, I'd say. A little tired and banged up. Dave Dufour, how are you?
2: I'm good. I was drinking well before the second half of that game. <laughs> um, you know, it's a holiday weekend. It's it's a it's a game that warranted it. I would not blame any other Mavericks podcast should they exist. They do to uh, to start whenever they, they did. So so if you guys if you guys had to identify the biggest change between the first two games and the second two games as the Mavericks lose game 4 in a fairly decisive manner and the series is now tied 2-2 is there is there anything that you would point to?
3: Um You you remember when we were talking about this series and like the key to the series and how we would all feel completely differently if we knew one version of Chris Stops Porzingis was going to be playing versus another? Mm -hmm. I think we and it's not all him, but I will say the biggest difference between the first two games and the second two games is his effect on the game and in particular the offensive end. He's having zero effect on the defensive end, but those first two games, I thought he did a really great job of not only just scoring, but using himself on the offensive end to, to create open looks for other guys. I mean, we we talked a lot about that one play in particular where he was just kind of floating the baseline in the corner, creating space. He was engaged. And, you know, if the shot's not falling for him, sometimes early, you know he's checked out. And it just seemed like last two games you just
1: didn't get much. I think it's – yeah, I mean, it's it's not good. Um, I – do want to talk about Porzingis? I guess you want me to give you your, the, the answer to your question, Tim. Uh, well, give the answer. I, I was just starting there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my answer is just simply, you know, the Clippers made adjustments, right? We can talk about shooting regression, but going into – you know, after the last episode, going to this home game, it was, all right, Ty Lue, where are your adjustments? Well, Ty Lue made adjustments. Ty Lue went small. Nick Batum started playing a lot more. Pat Beverly started playing a lot less. Reggie Jackson looked competent. Uh, and the con and all of that was enough to augment the fact that Ka- you know, that uh, Kawhi Leonard still there's no answer for anything that he's doing. There's no answer for anything Paul George is doing. The role players stepped up. The schemes got smarter. And it's not like the Mavericks haven't tried to compensate. Right? We saw it last night. You know, Rick throwing Boban out there as just give me something. Rick is trying. They are trying to adjust. The problem is when both teams are adjusting, and when one team has a lot more options and rotation caliber players than the other. What are you going to do? Uh, and that's really what we have seen here, right? Going into the series, we knew the Clippers had the better roster and this is, they just have more places that they can go when they adjust. And Dallas doesn't, it's a narrow band of outcomes for how they're going to be able to compete with us. What are the Clippers shooting
3: at the rim? The last two games, oh I, I know they shot like 85% in game three, Tim, something like that. Uh, that's that to me, that's the biggest single change has happened on the court and and then the Mavericks obviously shooting 17% in game four doesn't help them a whole lot but I'd argue that this the the shots they were getting were still pretty similar to the shots they've been getting in the series and knocking down it just that you know regression is you know it's tough but the the attacking the basket for the Clippers has changed everything for them. Because it's now like now they're also knocking down shots. They've got a little bit more of that in and out action happening. And so it is just a different game now. Uh, And this is where Porzingis is so important. And and that game three in particular was rough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about this in our little post game two pod, the, the first five minutes of that game being so important. And they got out to that huge lead and then they lost it. When, when Luka hit the bench, and, and that's why you need Porzingis. I mean, this is where Milwaukee, you know, having Chris Middleton a, a couple years ago, we were talking about how Chris Middleton needed to step up when Giannis wasn't out there. And then he did, and, and they were a better team for it. And now they have Drew Holiday, and they have this built-in buffer. Well, Dallas doesn't have that, but unfortunately, you can't just play Luka 48 minutes.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, look at last night, right? Porzingis, the first quarter, that was one of the best quarters he's played this year. He was Pretty everywhere good. Yep. in the first quarter. And if you look at the end of the game, he had a good statistical night, right? Game three was a disaster. Game four wasn't on the offensive end a of disaster by any means. But what you're saying is totally right. Even if he had a good statistical night, at no point was he carrying that offense other than, you know, a few jumpers right. early on. And last night's when they needed him. Luca was a shell of himself. He wasn't healthy. I can't believe they let they brought him out in the fourth quarter again. I couldn't believe they let him go as long as they did. It's incredible to me. But you need your second star on a night like that to just be able to not just oh well he put up some nice shots at a complimentary role. It needs to be all right. Luca can't go. I've got to give us something. I've got to do this. And he just he can't. He just he's, he's going to get him
3: thirty five. You know, like mm-hmm. if if they need it, right, Tim? You know, like and he's he. He can be that guy.
1: Saw it I in the bubble last year.
2: Well, yeah, he, he, he has shown that he has been able in the past to be that player. But, I mean, it's he looks different. He doesn't look like the player he did in the bubble. He doesn't look like the player he did in, in New York. The adjustments the Clippers made are the exact ones we expected them to. And I think the, the confidence that we collectively had after game two was that Porzingis would be up. To the challenge would be up to the task that if they went smaller, there would be an ability for him to be the tallest player on the court to score around the rim. When I talk about the adjustments the Clippers made, I, I identified the way that the Clippers have really walled off the rim. And, and I do think that some of that comes from the the players just being sharper, the rotations being better. The Clippers were just sloppy defensively throughout the first two games. They, they allowed a lot of wide open threes. The Mavericks are still generating some of them, but You know, the Clippers are not allowing that that layup line that that also existed in the first two games. But to some level, that does come back to Porzingis and and his his inability to, you know, be a 7-3 player who's dominant on, you know, grabbing rebounds, who is a shot blocker. Uh, Of course, it's tough. They're playing five out. You know, the the Porzingis and Maxi and these other players are being pulled away from the rim. But. Yeah, to some level, it does. It does come back to Porzingis, and yeah, I agree. He was he was all right in Game Four, and he had some post ups and he had some some buckets that he scored. He had a I think even a, a, a and one jump hook, but it was it was never a sustainable, consistent scoring option that would force Zubac back on the court specifically to guard him. For example, you know the the, the Clippers had no concerns about continuing to just to put a wing on him. It wasn't it wasn't a sustained or viable threat for the course of the series. And and yeah, I think that's that's clearly where the adjustment has has been for the Clippers and the the immediate adjustment the Mavericks should make in response to that. It just hasn't been there as represented by Przingis mostly, I think. You guys watching uh, Nuggets Blazers, I'm
3: assuming at least keeping an eye on it, right? When Dame starts to struggle, that's when you see them going to CJ and trying to get CJ going. Uh, it happened when when they put uh, Shaq Harrison on on Dame in Game Two, I believe, and, and then Aaron Gordon in the third was doing a really great job on Dame, and you had CJ there as sort of the guy. Okay, my turn. I'm gonna I'm gonna stir this drink. Josh Richardson, I think theoretically, was supposed to be that guy who could stir the drink when Luka... Was you know getting worn down, and he could spot up a little bit, and, and or if Luca goes to the bench, right? It's, it's again that fake Drew Holiday thing. They just don't have that guy. Like Jalen Brunson is as much that guy as anybody. Is Jalen Brunson is Tim Hardaway Jr. and and very nice players. Everybody, I've talked about them now for two years. Everybody knows how I feel about those two guys in particular. But they're just not good enough to be able to do it in the playoffs at this level. Uh, Tim Hardaway is a great shooter do you necessarily want him shooting off the dribble as much as he's had to? I, I don't think so. Um, they need Porzingis to do that. Porzingis is the only guy on the roster who actually can do that. And they've got to find a way to tap into that if they have any hope of, I, I would say, extending this to seven games. Because right now, it looks like the Clippers could just take the next two. So I, I think that Porzingis is kind of the linchpin of this whole thing. And obviously, Luca's health is The most important aspect of this, but if if we're assuming that Luca is able to rise to the occasion, they got to figure out Porzingis and maybe even, you know, doing that thing that they do where they go out of their way early to get him going. I don't know. I mean, he needs to be more aggressive. They did. Well, here's the thing.
1: They did that yesterday. And they did. And then it just kind of evaporated. You know, I wonder, do you guys buy and I was thinking about this and I saw, you know, just both at a vacuum and then I saw this line of conversation on Twitter yesterday. Do you think that they need another dude who is battle tested? Right. I know I saw Tim talking about, you know, a Kyle Lowry this offseason. I was thinking about, you know, when you're talking about CJ McCollum, the other excellent example of the guard in the backcourt that elevated a team as a second option is Chris Paul and Phoenix. And Chris also brought the the obvious example of a dude who's been through the wars, a guy who's been in the postseason. Do you think, I mean, obviously they need somebody who can help Luca. That's a given, no matter what capacity it is. Do you think that they need some veteran on this team who you know to be an adult in the room somebody who's been through these wars to help these guys do you think that's not going to matter as much given that you know they've got so many holes all over the place
2: i mean is is it a veteran specific i mean they need more talent sure and yeah, back yeah, yeah, yeah to the same same conversations I, I i think that if you had a more talented team the need for a veteran wouldn't be as as necessary um you look at the free agents available and Kyle, Kyle Lowry jumps to mind as someone who is a bit of a ceiling raiser to go back to the the combo we've had a million times on this podcast and they just don't really have those players outside of that. I mean it's Porzingis is Josh Richardson, it's Tim Hardaway. Hardaway's done his part. Nobody else on the team is really going to push this team from a fairly high floor that they have. The Clippers are really good. They've made the right adjustments. And, you know, the the Mavericks have been competitive. They got two games off of them. But they're the less talented team and, and they had to make some you know they had to get something from somewhere that wasn't necessarily anticipated or expected and they haven't done that and you know i guess i just have more faith that in a you know in a must-win playoff series someone like kyle lowry would be able to do that but you know i, I if kyle lowry was the exact skill that he had and was 24 and this you know has never been to the postseason before They also just need a player like that. They just need a player who's capable of that. Um, You know, I I guess a veteran like that is somebody who can push you to, you know, a a talent deficit and, and still push you to competitiveness and still push you to potentially being able to beat a team that that is better than you. And that's that's what they don't have.
1: Yeah, I guess I thought about it. Better players, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously talent. I I think all three of us are in agreement about that. I think everybody listening to this is hard to talk about that. I I I guess I think about it more in regards to they were right there at the beginning of game three and what let it slip. And a lot of it is credit to the Clippers for making the adjustments, but I you know I can't help but wonder if there's a 34-year-old Kyle Lowry on the floor, does he settle these dudes down? And he's like, All right, it's gonna be okay. You know. Sure. You know, I mean it's it's I mean,
3: or a twenty two-year-old John ja Morant or yeah, however you old know. He is. I mean like it's just it's really it's just it's talent I, I agree with him it's talent but experience certainly can make up for some talent like right exactly. Tal Lowry is not the player that he was a couple years ago right but you can tap into his own sort of institutional knowledge so to speak on how to perform in the playoffs how the game is different so I mean it, you know this is like two sides of the same coin and, and a lot of times you can trade off on the young talented guy by getting the dude past his prime a little bit cheaper. I think Kyle Lowry would be a great option, but Kyle Lowry is going to have his choice. If you're Kyle Lowry, do you want to go to Dallas? Right? Like, let's be honest. Like is Dallas your best choice next season to actually compete for a championship? I think if you look at the landscape, you probably say no, but you, then you say, all right, well, if I'm Kyle Lowry and I go there, how does that change who we can get? You know, maybe we can veteran chase a little bit and, and get some guys coming in on cheaper contracts that might see Kyle Lowry as a guy who can get this team to that championship level. But I, I just don't think so. I think Kyle Lowry is a guy who's going to go to a team that's already got two stars. <coughs> Not to go be the second best guy on a team, but to be the third.
1: Yeah, probably. Right. And yeah, that's, that, the that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Right. Unless Christoph Sporzingis pulls a 180 in the next two, three games it suddenly starts looking like the second star again. And I mean, who the hell knows? Like, right. Like we could sit here and we could pontificate about all sorts of scenarios. I don't think it's overly likely it becomes that way, but it's been all over the I, map. I
2: think it's I think it's possible he does with a with an off season. Like I, I, right, that's I look what I at what he's say. doing yep. and it looks athletic. It, it looks athletic. Right. It looks like athletic limitations. Now, he he just may be unable to get back to that maybe he needs a full summer and he does look like a better player I, I don't think that means that you can continue to trust him i think his injury history at this point is you know more than well known and and yeah i'd have i have worries about him with the way that he's performed this series about being a player who is the quote quote unquote de facto second star for this team it's it's why i just don't expect him to be much better in in the final two or three games uh, against the clippers it doesn't. It doesn't mean that he he can't be better than this, right? Uh, I
1: no, mean, I was, was I was referring to the next two three games about him turning into that guy, not yeah. the big picture. I mean, the best. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the best argument if you want to believe in Kristaps Porzingis becoming that guy in the long haul, the best argument of the best piece of hope that you have is that he hasn't ever really had a normal off season in Dallas where he's come off of playing. Right, his first year, you know, he gets traded here when he's off for the season. He has to come into the next, you know, into his first full season, having not played a year and a half. Then you get the bubble stoppage. Then this year he thinks the season is starting later than it is. So he schedules the surgery late on his knee. He comes in, he's working his way through into shape the whole time. He's never had a off-season that's been on a normal calendar when he's been playing basketball the season before and can actually ramp up, have a preseason, probably have some plan in place of actual advanced rest management of, you know. Really, an actual schedule versus sort of doing this on the fly the way Dallas had to do it this year. So there is a legitimate reason to hope that if you can plan ahead, you can have some level of normalcy. Maybe that does maximize. Them. I'm not ruling that out at all.
2: But it's a it's a perilous yeah. approach to have more as a perilous
1: team. than you want it to be for a dude on a max deal who you're expected to be the second guy. No question.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. It, it it may be a path that they have no choice about. I mean, again, we've we've talked about his contract. It's it's hard to see him being a tradable player right now and there was a reason we we said that this this coming postseason would you know the most important thing to the team's future was him showing he could be that even if it was only to restore his trade value so that you could try to reap something from a player who is owed a lot of money for three more years on this team so i think i think that's that's obviously a concern i I don't want to get too future facing the series is still 2-2
4: right Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua di Joe Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromatic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. This episode
3: is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
4: Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, d'angelo russell and others david yurman is a celebrated american jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art architecture and the natural world the story of david yurman begins in new york city with david a sculptor and his wife sybil a painter and ceramicist when the artists began collaborating their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com.
2: Where where are you guys feeling confident? Why isn't this just going to a Game 7? Because I think going to a Game 7, when you have the best player on the court... That's a good scenario that can work out for you. I, I I don't I don't really, you know, think that I would go into a game seven with any preconception. I mean, yes, preconceptions, but the idea that the Mavericks can't win a game seven, they can't win a one off against the Clippers—that's absolutely they can. Uh, it's just a matter right. of of getting a win in one of the next two. Do do you guys feel like the you know basically the strategy, the formula that that brought them to games one and two, brought, brought them wins in those two, is still viable for them? I mean,
3: it was working. They were getting looks. There's a difference, though, between you know Luca at something close to 100, percent and Luca wherever he is now. I don't mean what would you, what we we even call that? So he's just, still generating looks. The issue is he's not a, he's not gonna be able potentially for the rest of the series to do what he was doing in game one and two, which was uh, just completely dominate
2: every single switch. Well, I'd say every you know time he? we think this about Luca. He then I know goes and does it. This is well, it's the the LeBron question, right? It's like we say LeBron is is done
3: and then, okay, he's like dunking from the free throw line on a bum ankle. And it's like, okay, well, he he can suck it up a little bit. But but I think that what we saw, especially in game four, um, if it doesn't improve. In, in game five or, or game six, it could be over in six. It would. It's unlikely to me that the Clippers would win four straight.
4: Yeah.
3: Because I do think Dallas is better than, they're a better playoff team than I had given them credit for. Uh, the things that they were doing are working better in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. And part of that maybe is just because of the Clippers and, and their laziness to a certain degree in the first two games. Um, But I don't know that they can shoot the lights out again. <laughs> and winning those first two games depended on that, so we'll see. It's it's going to be about Luca, and if Luca can can be back, you know, something close to one hundred percent, I think they can win a game. I think they can win the series if he's there. But I just I'm so doubtful of that at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously the X factor is how healthy Luca is after another day of rest. Um, I think if he if he's let's say. A reasonable approximation of himself, which he was not in game four. But he's a reasonable approximation of himself. I can't see them losing both of the next two games. I'm with Dave. Like, it's it's very hard to lose four straight games when you're up two and you've got things working for you. I think it's also worth pointing out, too, that, you know, we expect a regression and they got all of the regression. It hit them like a stick. So you have to think that I don't know if all of the role players are going to step up, but you, you would think that at least one or two are going to look better versus. Yesterday when none of them were doing anything, right? So I've got enough confidence that they could push this through seventh game. And then I think really a lot of it does depend on what Lucas health is. That more than anything will determine how you feel in a game seven. Because a healthy Luka Doncic could beat any team in the world on one night.
2: He's that good. If if Porzingis was, did what he did in game four and the rest of the Mavericks did what they did in game three, there's a good chance game three is a Mavericks win. Like th- this... Mm-hmm. They're going to have to shoot the lights out like that. That is that is a required aspect of them beating the Clippers. They can do that, though. They're still generating decent looks. If they get the role players going again, you know, I, I have I have faith that Tim Hardaway Jr. probably just had a one game blip. They they did a good job limiting just how much, you know, he was able to do. Certainly, he's not getting to the rim. And, and that was the biggest development for him this season was really him turning into a, a dangerous driver of, of the basketball. Um but he can hit threes, and, and he can he can get some shots. Uh, Luca clearly has been walled off a bit from from the paint as well. But you know we saw in Game Four, even limited, he was starting to get that floater and and starting to hit those shots and and that's that's an aspect so if, if he's if he's game if he's able to to go for another 40 ish plus point game and you get the role players going again and you get just something from presenting and, and i think he's capable of giving them something i think he had 18 points i want to say in, in game four mm-hmm. like that's that all combines to a winning uh formula still you know the same essentially the same one that that won them game one and, and won them game two and uh caused the win that you know, they had in the regular season against the Clippers, but you do need all of that coming together. And I think after game two, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier for, you know, that for them to check each box of that formula. I, I talked about this on, on, uh, on the athletic in a couple written articles. I thought it'd be a little bit easier. Um, the Clippers really shoring up what, what they've done. You know, I, I think, I think they also probably need a game where Kawhi Leonard isn't just automatic and it's not going to be the the Mavericks defender specifically that are causing that because they don't have anybody anybody who can guard him and we know this at this point like it's very established but you know stars have off nights too and and that is that is something that could happen and i think you know you get everything happening all at the same time whether it's game 5 or game 6 that that's enough to push you to game 7 and again i'm not you know at this point in a game 7 you know if i think the clippers are clearly favored but you know, just like they were favored in the series. But you get to a game seven and anything can happen. I think that's that's where the the impetus, that's where the drive of of this team over the next couple games needs to come from, is that getting to a game seven when you have the best player on the court, you can win. That's how the NBA works.
3: Absolutely. But I think that what you need if Luca is not a hundred percent is that more aggressive Porzingis that we talked about. I'd like to see him initiating more offense, and instead of jacking up the twenty-eight footer, man, put it on the floor. You're seven
1: foot two guard. Get to the hoop. But when was the last time we've consistently seen that from him?
2: Yeah, that's, I know. That's I where know. his physical limitations come in for me. He doesn't. I know. He doesn't look able to to move fluidly towards the rim for like twenty feet in a row. It's the same way he's not really getting offensive rebounds, and mm-hmm. the same way that he's not really being able to establish himself with deep post positioning to me. I mean, I think, I think they're all connected Is you know, I think you're only going to worsen things if you're asking him to face up and drive from 24 feet, 20 feet, even 15 feet to a degree.
1: Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, to what degree is it athletic? To what degree is there a psychological component, right? I mean, he's, he's very introspective and he's very open about when he's, you know, in his head about something, when he's thinking about something, does that play a role here? Because, I'm sorry, the guy's 25 still, you know, even with injuries limitations he's had, you can't necessarily assume that he all of that is gone from his game now for good. But does he feel like he can push himself in that way in the middle of a playoff series like this? You know, does the team feel like they can push mm-hmm. him? Obviously, there are limitations to what we know on the outside. Um, but what we do know is that the things that would really unlock a lot for this office, we just haven't seen him do. Maybe, maybe the light yeah. goes on. In the next three games, I'm not betting on that though. Just from what the recent as as history for, has told us, you know, with, with Porzingis, I,
3: I think that he just needs some time off. You know, the last couple seasons have just just been really weird for him. Yeah, and and I think that this is clearly a guy who did not like we talked about the the late surgery, the 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 entire pandemic was kind of odd for him anyway because he had already had the other injury, um, you know, and his he had looked so great, and then they. They just had to shut it down for a little bit and then they ramped it back up. And so, you know, this is a guy who obviously the physical part is such an important aspect of how his game comes together. Like it, it, possibly more than anybody else, you know, Luca, we've seen he can play through injury and, and significant injury to a certain degree. Just the way his body's built. Porzingis just can't do that. He's not the same. And so I, I think that he more than anybody needs an offseason. But unfortunately, you don't get an offseason before a game five. And so you got to try some stuff if Luka doesn't have it going. I, I might be with him, though. I, I think Luka is probably going to have a great game five. I just, I don't know.
2: He, he just seems to rise to these moments. He's a, he's a gamer in that way. Absolutely. Are you guys yeah. surprised that the, the non KP uh, defensive players for the Mavericks have been as poor as they have? Obviously, Finney Smith kleber kleber they're they're asking a lot of those two they're asking them to guard players that they really shouldn't be asking them to guard that's a i i think and we've talked about maxi a lot on this podcast and how he just doesn't have the same burst but he has no blocks the series and you know outside of a, a possession here or there where he did a pretty decent job slowing down Kawhi, i just don't think you know he's being beat off the dribble by guards constantly again that's asking a lot of a player but that's the type of role player he's been, and I think Finney Smith. You know, we I've I've heard before, or I've, I've heard arguments before that his defense kind of comes and goes with his offense, and he just hasn't been that impressive. Probably the best defender for the Mavericks this series has been Josh Richardson, but his offensive struggles have mostly relegated relegated him to you know maybe fifteen minutes a night. Some nights are not even that, and so. You know, I think it, I think it is a team wide defensive failure. It's not just Porzingis. It's by no means just Porzingis. I thought he was actually fine, you know, emphasis on fine, but I thought he was fine in game four. And, you know, he had some really good moments in the second half of game two. But, you know, I I think, I think this is a, this is a system wide defensive failure from the Mavericks. And they really haven't provided enough resistance up and down the roster.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why for me, if, you know, I understand Rick's, pulling out whatever he can out of his bag of tricks. But to me, I wouldn't have been throwing Trey Burke out there. I would have tried Josh Green just to see, can he slow down the pick and roll at all? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's three minutes and he gets torched, but guess what? So is everybody else. Might as well try it. It was never going to
2: happen. I don't think anybody's expecting Rick to throw him out there in that spot, but it honestly needs to the rest of the series. There's no excuse to play Trey Burke more.
1: No, no. We, you know, Anybody was hoping uh, uh, that a, for a redux of last year when Trey Burke caught lightning in a bottle for a couple games. It's it's not happening, right? So throw Josh out there, see if it gets you anything. If it doesn't, you know, then put him back on ice. But you at this point, yeah, everybody's been such a mess. You have no reason not to try another defensively competent player, at least in theory, just to see if something catches.
3: They, they really just don't have anyone who can guard those Kawhi Leonard and Paul George no. guys. and and But by the way, neither does a lot of teams. You know who doesn't have that? The Utah Jazz. <laughs> Royce O'Neal is like their best option. And and he's probably a little bit too small for those guys. like Luka is the best option on Kawhi. I, I still think that that's true uh, because at least he can match the strength. But Paul George has been a whole other problem. And that's a guy that can get to the hoop against the Mavs unabated. Every single possession, and so it's there's a there's a personnel issue where you just don't have that guy, and you got to try to make up for it, and maybe you can't. It's plausible that you just hey, in this league, you need a large wing when you're playing other large wings. I mean, we saw what Luca was doing to the Clippers, and they've got Kawhi and Paul George, right?
2: Kawhi, now, highlights they were lazy the,
3: switching like crazy,
2: but Kawhi highlights the lack of a defensive wing, I think, and and George represents the lack of a rim protector Mm -hmm. you know it's a little simplistic but if i if i kind of had to break it down i think that's where the defense is at it's it's missing in both spots um yeah you can only hope that porzingis gets back there with with all the things we're talking about again not it's not gonna happen this series it's not i mean these are not i don't see mental limitations or if the mental limitations are there they're not gonna you know go away in one game but i really think that you know he just doesn't physically look up for it and so so yeah, there's there's defensive problems on this team. Uh, I had a theory that when Porzingis played well, as long as he didn't actively hurt the team, that they'd be pretty good defensively. And that did hold up in the regular season. But against this team with the matchups that they're presented with, it just hasn't been the case at all.
1: No, and I think there's also – it should be said that even though he hasn't been an outright minus on the court – Willie Cauley Stein sort of an example of how your regular season samples. Once you get to the postseason, those can be a – you know you reality sets it a bit, right? Because Willie's numbers in the regular season were phenomenal, but I think everybody watching Willie sort of knew, all right, you, you can't depend on this night in night out. And so, in theory and with his skill set, Willie can protect the rim, but then you actually watch him out there, and it's it's not something you can consistently depend on. And that's you know you can't. It's not just that Porzingis isn't that guy; it's that the two other players on this team who you'd think well. Theoretically, Maxi Kleba has been explosive, and you know could you know wall off shots on of the weak side. Maybe can help. Well, in the regular season, Willie Cauley Stein did look great. In reality, in the heat of a postseason series, that's not what these guys are going to be able to do for you. Is
2: there, there any, any adjustments? Is is, <laughs> is there any adjustments you guys would make in in the in the coming games? The only one that really comes to mind beyond you know Luca just having to use that mid range because because he's not getting to the rim. Um, but that's you know that's hardly an adjustment. That's just him knowing how to play against a defense mm-hmm. that's that's kind of s- finally catching up to him. Um, beyond that, I I would maybe consider putting Richardson in the lineup in, instead of Maxi, you know, with with his relative ineffectiveness. You know, maybe you throw another shot blocker. Um, yeah. Hell, you know, if you want to go really dramatic, maybe that's where you put Josh Green in and say, I hope that the the rest of the shooting in the starting five because the best spacing. On the team is going to be with the starting five. It's going to be with Porzingis, Luca, Hardaway, and and Finney Smith. If Finney Smith can actually start hitting some shots, maybe you think this is where we can get away with one guy who's a non-shooter, um, one guy who's going to be totally left alone. And so maybe you put Josh Green in there over Maxi because Maxi, I just you know he's he's hit, he's had a couple games where he's hit shots, uh, game two and game three. Obviously he was doing that, but you know he's not he's not playing big either. You know it's the same Porzingis problem. It's it's not like he's. Using his size to to really affect them, and, and he's not slowing anyone down. Maybe if you have a a guy who can keep a player in front of him, um, and again, I think this is a enormous ask for Josh Green. That a is probably too much for him. He's you know if he gets matched up against Kawhi or, or George, he's gonna have a, a KG vet, veteran problem. They're gonna get him up in the air and draw fouls. You're asking too much of him. You're also asking too much of him because you don't develop him at any point throughout the season. Right? You barely gave him minutes. It's a combination of the two. Um, I don't think he's ready for it. And if there was any chance he was going to be ready for it, it was stopped the season by him just not getting the time he needed to, to really iron out his his the you know the the veteranness in the game just to kind of figure out how to play play ball. But that's one area I could see it whether it's um, Richardson or what you know just one of the Joshes. I, I think that's. Conceivable. Um, outside of that, nothing really comes to mind. I'm curious if you guys have uh, opinions on it. I mean, definitely don't go to
3: zone again. Um, the Clippers, the Clippers have the best offense in the league against zone. They're the best shooting team in the league. Like, just why are you going to zone? When can you use it? You, it's it's hard to see in the arena. As a couple a couple of times, yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, you gotta you gotta watch it on tape. But they they slipped into it here and there, and you just can't do it against the Clippers with Boban
2: um, a bit. I would assume.
3: Yeah, and you. But they've got to find a way to wall off the paint. That's the tricky part, right? Like they. I understand why they did it because otherwise there's no resistance whatsoever for the Clippers getting to the basket. But the Clippers can shoot. Like this is what I was saying coming into the series. They're not an easy problem to solve if they're just playing their game. And so you know the fact that they're now hitting shots. If Reggie Jackson's hitting shots, you know what I mean. Like they're back, and they can still get to the hoop. So the Mavs have got to really run them off the three point line and protect the basket without a rim protector. And, and that's tough, man. I, I'm not sure that they can pull that off, um, but they got to figure out a way. And, and one of those is don't go into zone, even though they didn't do it often. It just isn't going to go well. It is not a panacea against the Clippers, but I don't know what they do with Porzingis, not being able to, to really help on the back line, the way that you need. I just don't know that they got a lot of options.
1: Yeah, I mean that's where where it comes down to for me, right? It's it's not that they haven't tried to adjust; they just don't have the roster to where they can. This isn't I don't, if they if they lose the series to me, you know, we we can go and do the post mortem, and we will. But I don't think much of this is going to be on Rick Carlisle. He's only got so many cards in the deck to play. Um, the biggest adjustment they can make is they just they got to perform. Everybody, you know, you can find ways to unlock Porzingis, but ultimately, guys got to hit shots. They're not hitting shots, none of this matters. So I think you just have to hope that. You know you, The shot making doesn't have to get all the way back to where it did at the beginning of the series, but it's got to get it a lot closer. And you need to spread the load a bit and you need a Luka Doncic to be healthy Luka Doncic. Uh,
2: otherwise, I think it's a little bit on Carlisle. I, I mean, I don't some, think he can go up 19 points in game three yeah. and, and think, OK, this is clearly like this is a this is a coach that should make you play above your talent level. And then lose a series, especially if it happens in, like, six games. I think it's a little bit on him.
1: I mean, I'm not saying he's absolved from blame. I'm just saying, like, we're sitting here and, like, what the personnel adjustments you can make come down to throwing a rookie out there. You know, and it is on Carlisle for the record the regular season. He did not play Josh Green. That's 100% on him. There were opportunities and he didn't. But when we are sitting here and we're saying, well, play the rookie who's barely played all year. that's your That's the best move you can make in a 2-2 series. That means you don't have enough players who you can depend on. And at that point, that's, that's front office stuff. That's not your coach. So ultimately guys just have to perform, uh, make shots and find whatever way you can to ring whatever drops you can out of Porzingis. Because if you get game two or game four Porzingis, you can win this series. If you get game one or game three Porzingis, you're not winning this series. No matter what happens with anything else, that is the bottom line.
2: Well, I think that's it from us think we uh we covered enough we should podcast after every game the rest of the series as long as the season is happening still existing um so we'll catch you guys thursday morning at some point after uh wednesday's game five see you guys then
4: don't fight the future please be nice future for time in